Inside the halls of American hospitals, millions of people find comfort, healing, and support. But for many doctors and nurses, this couldn't be further from the truth. This podcast will dive into the shadows of American healthcare to investigate and uncover the abuse, control, and political power plays that leave the very people responsible for our nation's health broken and battered. We're sharing stories of professionals in medicine that have experienced horrendous treatment at the hands of a broken system that does nothing to stop the trauma. As the Association of American Medical Colleges states, long before the Me Too movement, women in medicine have instinctively banded together to counter a culture that too often tolerated harassment. From systemic trauma to abuse of power to the unspoken rules of cover-ups and corruption, Mandy Irby and Phoebe will take you to the darkest corners of healthcare in America so you can have an inside look at bringing humanity back to medicine. Sensitive content warning. This podcast will share details of triggering subjects such as sexual assault and workplace violence. So if you aren't in a space to listen, respect your mental health and tune in again at another time. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Pulse Check Podcast. I'm Hehe. I'm Mandy. And today we're diving into gender discrepancies in medicine. Now, if we go back to the very, very beginning of medicine, it was built on the idea that males, particularly white males, would be in power. They're the ones that have the knowledge. They're the ones that actually treat patients. And women, nurses, should be the servants. They should be there to serve and support the doctors, serve and support the patients. But as far as real authority, they had none. The respect was absolutely there. And I think the respect for nurses still stands. But what happens inside of the halls of medicine? It's it's not the same respect that you get from the general public, from society with nurses. Today we're talking about an article on Scientific American, and the title is Sexual Harassment is Still the Norm in Healthcare. And the subtitle says, if you can't think of a high-profile doctor who got taken down by the hashtag MeToo movement, it's not for lack of perpetrators. So, Mandy, what's going on if perpetrators are in abundance and sexual harassment is a very common and almost widely accepted phenomena of being in medicine? What's going on? I even hate that we have to say widely accepted. It's not widely accepted. It's widely covered up. How about that? And I like how you, I like how you started with, uh, yeah, healthcare has been a boy's world, a man's world um, from the beginning as, you know, a lot of systems in the U.S. were. uh, Women, females, transgender people were not allowed to practice medicine. They were only allowed to be servants of medicine. And I'm getting a lot of like hand, handmade vibes. Just like that's that's what's in my brain locked in. So I told he he as we started the show that it's angering and it's so frustrating because of how true it is. Oh my gosh, that rings so true. It's not for lack of problem. That's not why 
top male voices, people of power, men in power and medicine have not been taken down. It's because the cover up is so hardcore. The threats. It's 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 like it's like they have this whole side subsection of healthcare that is protecting protective of I mean, can I say, can I say it's protective of white men? Yeah, I think it is. White male doctors is what it's protective of because now we have a shift and oh my gosh, women are allowed to be in medicine and they go to medical school. So now we have female physicians and transgender physicians and non-binary physicians that are all still facing this discrimination, this um, gender discrimination that nurses have faced at because nurses have primarily been female in history. And this is not to say that men don't receive and um, are hurt by harassment and sexual harassment. That's not true, but we're talking about majority, majority, majority in healthcare started out men, majority in healthcare nurses started out as female, but of course there's, um, there's always that overlap. And transgender women, too, are far more likely than men to face harassment in the workplace. So oh, yeah. you really, if you're not a white male, you're almost not safe, right? And we, we know that patients taken care of by female physicians have better clinical outcomes, have higher patient satisfaction, yet do we see this translated into higher pay? Absolutely not. Actually, the latest data from Medscape shows that after training, women are paid on average $36,000 to $96,000 a year less than males even in female dominated fields like pediatrics and obgyns right so are you kidding me that female physicians have better clinical outcomes better patient satisfactions i would argue that they probably can handle the job a little better only because it makes me think of the invisible workload of female primary caregivers at home and all they carry there where your male physicians not all of them but and this is totally a stereotype so if it's not applicable to you please don't you know be offended by it but most male physicians are going to go to work be a doctor and then go home at the end of the day and they don't have to think about the laundry and what's for eating and homework and shuttling the kids here and there and all that jazz and we still can't see female physicians being paid even equal much less more than their male counterparts even though they have better outcomes. It's so indicative of the healthcare system in America because we spend more money per capita than any other country. And we have some of the worst outcomes in the entire world. It's abhorrent, to be honest. Our priorities are a little shifted. So you're saying that <laughs> cultural norms and like societal norms um, have an effect on 
success in the medical field? Absolutely. I would be willing to, you know, of course, without looking into any sort of research, I certainly didn't research this, but I'd be willing to do a blind bet that if you put 10 male physicians and 10 female physicians in a room and you gave them a task, I'd put my money on all the females. I just think females are better able to manage multiple things. We know that females are better at multitasking. And I think that's also why females get loaded with the invisible workload of being a parent and that that homemaking, even when both parents work outside of the mm -hmm. home. And you're going to see those skills, those skills translate to their career. That's a positive for patients if you're being cared by by a female. Yeah physician, then that's a positive for you. If you're not being cared for by a female physician, then eek. <laughs> maybe it's not so great. <laughs> Here, there's going to be a lot of pissed off people listening to this. They're going to be like, not me, not me. I'm great. Not me, not me. And that's how we got into the situation that not me culture, right? That not me, not me, but it's deeper than just, I don't practice like that. It's not me. It's not my job to speak up. Not me. I shouldn't go and tell my nurse colleague that I did witness what she witnessed and that she's, you know, right to think that was wrong. It's, it's that not me culture of always soften off the responsibility. And my goodness, we're here in 2021 and we have the most broken healthcare system in arguably the whole world and we can't get it together because no one wants to take responsibility for anything, really. Gosh. And when you yeah. do try, you're shut down. Right. right? That's... When you are a whistleblower, you're cut out. When you do report things, you're told that it was, quote unquote, looked into and that nothing was found. You're told that something unexpected happened and you're going to have to transfer floors. You're told that you no longer have a position here. So for the very few people who don't succumb to the not me culture, they're very quickly wiped out. So the culture being, oh, the not me culture. Okay. The culture being... Um, we don't talk about that or we know that he he does that or they do that. That's just how they are. You just have to shrug it off. You just have to keep moving forward. Yeah, all the things that I've totally heard about really dangerous people, that Me Too, <laughs> Me Too movement. Uh, yeah, it absolutely is alive and well in healthcare. My opinion is the opposite happens if someone is found to have a lot of complaints against them or they have found to be um, sexually harassing, sexually assaulting coworkers, staff, patients, anyone in their facility, they are similarly but different protected. They are shuttled to a new facility. This happens and you can see it sometimes in... Um, you're in the medical license. Like you can't, and I'm just saying um, physician for this purpose, but you can also look up nurse medical, 
nursing nursing licenses and you can see um they're not like legal are they legal they're not legal what are the words i'm thinking of so i looked up a physician recently someone said watch out that guy's trouble you know i i wouldn't believe a lot of what he says because um have you heard about all of the reports out on him and i was like what he's this like famous um physician that teaches all over the world and uh everyone like knows his name in the field i was like what do you mean look up his license so i did and because he stayed in the same state i could see his license in california full of sexual harassment and sexual assault allegations and not just allegations like he was found and um not prosecuted because it wasn't legal it was under his medical license which is a little hairy and weird but uh which is why they can kind of like hide these because if it was brought up to the board of medicine then that's one thing separate than legal proceedings i believe but there was some history in there under his license and um it was all there because it was all in one state you know california is an interesting state i feel like they have so many things in the media about really bad doctors when you said california my mind automatically went to a 2016 case of um dr arthur park who practices in California, who actually killed one of his patients by performing too aggressive traction on the placenta during the third stage of labor. And the lawsuit has just now recently hit the media. And from what I can tell, Dr. Arthur Park is still practicing despite mm -hmm. having killed a patient. And the most interesting part of this case to me is that there were multiple nurses there that witnessed it, wrote it in the notes, and still didn't slash couldn't slash felt they weren't able to speak up against it. So it was well documented that he was not practicing evidence-based medicine and was truly being violent with a patient, but no one stopped him. If you haven't tuned into our episode about moral injury, it's a funny word, <laughs> injury. If you haven't tuned in to our episode about moral injury and distress, I highly suggest you do so. But this is such a blatant case of, good gosh, what was going on behind those doors that those nurses witnessed this, felt empowered enough to document it in the notes, but weren't able to speak up in the moment to literally prevent patient death. That for me is so telling of the gender discrepancies of how male physicians really run units with an iron fist and should anyone even dare step up against them, 
they'll be squashed like a little bug. Whether it's in front of patients or behind closed doors or ridiculed all across the unit, it matters not. You're not to step up against a physician if you're another physician and especially if you're a nurse. So you say if you're another physician, so um, especially female physicians? Oh, can you imagine? Can you imagine being a female physician that already is working not overtime on paper, but overtime mentally, emotionally, physically, literally on the unit just to prove that you're worthy, just to prove that you can, quote unquote, keep up with your male counterparts, even though you're making substantially less money and you have better clinical outcomes and higher patient satisfaction, you're still running yourself ragged because you just came back from maternity leave or you know you're going on maternity leave. In this article from the Scientific American, there's actually a quote from a surgeon that shares that they've witnessed multiple female surgeons be pushed out of their position due to being female and having a family slash the responsibility of children. So here again, now we've circled back to care penalty where you're paying the price for being a female in a female role. It's like women, whatever we do, we can't win. We can't have the best of both worlds no matter how hard we work and, and how much we actually do have the potential to have the best of both worlds, the institution itself almost doesn't allow it. Jeez, it's not like it's not like we even need to win anything. It's not even about winning. I know you say that and why you say that, but like, is it too much to ask to not go to work and be sexually harassed? Fuck. Right? This says 2018 report by the National Academies of Sciences and Engineering and Medicine found up to half of female medical students are sexually harassed during their training. Half the hell? I have a different outlook, but I, as a nurse in a teaching hospital, in a teaching facility, I almost freaking knew this. I didn't know half of female medical students. And probably even more so of minority women and transgender non-binary people, folks, I knew something was going on. We all did. We all know something was going on. And, and I really, really want to hear from many. <laughs> Can I say that? I want to hear from a lot of female and non-binary trans physicians that have a perspective on this because I, I really, I I've asked and I've not gotten a lot of perspective on this and a lot of story, but I, I would love some candid stories and, and I know that there's trauma there. And so, uh, you know, I'm asking for a lot and I know that that might not happen for a very valid reasons, but I would watch. Um, so in obstetrics, I would see maybe, four to six 
residents go through their program. So three, what is it? Three or four years of residency in obstetrics. And they were um, majority women, majority female, and then one or two men. And a change happened. And it, and I've talked with nurses about this. I don't know if I've told you this. He, he, a change happened that um, nurses and I could see. And of course, this is just our own experience in it. You know, this isn't a study or anything, but it seemed like female residents were friendly and eager and hopeful and curious. And they would sit and talk with us and they, you know, we learned about them and we learned about their family and we would just be people together sometimes in their first two years. And the male residents sometimes were like that depending on the personality, but a lot of times it took a little longer to warm up. And that might just be me. It takes a while to warm up, but even with other nurses, they agreed and they were like, yeah, I mean, you get to know them, but maybe they felt a little like they were, they were the minority at that point, because you have a whole unit of nurses and your residency program is mostly women. And then, so you're a minority. So it made sense that they were a little bit uh, more reserved at the beginning. And then the transition happened at year two, three, and it was much more difficult to crack open a female resident. And it was it, crack open like human to human is what I mean. It's just, I see you or do you see your patient type thing? Like, can, is there empathy going on? Is there like, we're on the same page, the same level. And we used to talk differently to each other. And this could totally be like, Mandy, you're difficult to work with. And I've had to work with you for three years and I'm tired of it. I thought that's what it was, but my colleagues agreed that they saw that sometimes and it wasn't a pattern in everyone. And of course, you know, this is simplifying things, but it, something changed and Oftentimes we would see in male residents, something would change and they would become more confident. And we would see walls go up sometimes with female physicians. And it we notice it because we tune in, we're nurses, we care, we're empathetic. Like we really value getting to know people. We want to know you. We want to help you through. We want to guide, you know, how are you in your process? Isn't this exciting? And and they're kind of like growing up in residency as, as confident OB physicians and capable OB, OB physicians. And things just seem to be very different for female physicians. And it was heartbreaking. And we would talk about it because it was sad. Like the nurses would talk about it together because it was sad. We're like, what is happening? And we, some people would call it a chip on their shoulder, like a chip, like it was tough to get their walls up for the for them for some reason. And so I, I would love to hear what others and what other folks think, think that that might be, especially from that community. I'm not in that community, but when I read this report, he, he, I thought, Oh my God, is that what was happening? That's so tough. Just look at the conveyor belt, right? You have these little baby physicians that go in and look at the transformation that's different with how you identify. If you identify as male, you're going to go in a little timid and you're going to come out just 
buck wild, ready to take on the world, confidence that is through the roof. But the opposite, but the opposite is true with women. You go in with high confidence, eager to take care of your patients, ready to learn, open to collaboration. Mm-hmm. And then somehow through the conveyor belt of med school, you're gobbled up and spit out as almost an empty shell. It does that does that relate? Or am I pulling this out of my butt? I think it's gotta relate. I think there's gotta be some sort of connection between the patriarchal structure of medicine just by design. Remember the at the beginning of this episode, we opened up with the idea that medicine was created to perpetuate this idea that males were on top. It was designed to have males be in power mm-hmm. and everyone else be support servants. And I absolutely, absolutely think those are connected. You know, any way that you slice it, harassment is never okay. It's unacceptable 100% of the time. But at the end of the day, we are all here for our patients and you can't possibly give good, safe patient care if you are feeling unsafe and harassed at work. Mm-hmm. How can you possibly give good care to someone if you're never sure whether you're going to walk outside and be berated or bullied or touched inappropriately by one of your colleagues and even worse, someone that you answer to, someone that's in charge of your grades, someone that is in charge of your next promotion, someone that is in charge of your 90, 60, 120 day review This is the broken parts. These are the broken parts of medicine that unless you're really in it, you're just so unaware. Man. Yeah. And it, it wears, it wears one down and I can't imagine what other people are experiencing and feeling, but Personally, it wears you the hell down when you get surprise comments about about who has the kids. And that's just coming from a, I mean, Mrs. Het woman in a predominantly female field as nursing. That's what one million times more common and also difficult for female non-binary people of color physicians who people just have things to say to you and it's hurtful and it's harassment and it's unnecessary and it might whether it throws you off every time or not like it gets to you that there's male leaders people in power and then the worst of the worst are the abusers and the assailants that that should have been brought down in this Me Too movement that are undoubtedly have been reported and undoubtedly go unscathed and are protected by the 
medical board. They're protected by their state. They're protected by their institution. They're expensive. They're seen as money-making. They're also seen as more important. And, and it's been allowed for so long that there's just less, less folks um, out there speaking out and demanding that they resign, demanding that they um, get out of the public and demanding that they get out of healthcare, demanding that they get away from other people because they um, have a pattern of mistreatment. And I, I of course, see that as design. Um, similarly, you know, nurses are always told the grass is not always greener and go somewhere else. It's not going to be better. Or they're um, discouraged from traveling. They're discouraged from job jumping. You know, they're told, it's disrespectful to leave after such expensive training has been done on you. And yeah, they're, we're told that. And I think it it is a way to downplay and to like prevent people from talking, people from sharing information, even though we can and we do online, it, that's not how it used to be. So when we talk and share information that it's been happening or that so-and-so physician or that so-and-so guy used to work over here and now he works over here and, oh, he's doing the same shit he was doing before. Wait a second wait just a second. Wait a minute. How do we stop this? Of course, it's not for lack of trying, but I think that there are some invisible systems in place that make it very difficult and make you feel like it's a one-off when it's not. And it's unique to healthcare in a way that I don't, I never really realized until I left. (laughs) You know, this may be a really great place to wrap up because we always love to tell people what they can do if they find themselves in this situation, because the podcast is not just about highlighting the atrocities that happen in the American healthcare system, but how we as individuals and collectively can fix the American healthcare system. So if you do find yourself in one of these positions, you have some control here and you have some options and, you know, it doesn't mean that they're all pretty or that they're all ideal or that they're even easy because a lot of them are really hard, but you should report this, whether you believe it's going to make any leeway or not, there is power in numbers and you need to report this. We should all be reporting bad doctors, whatever we're witnessing or experiencing. You can change jobs, right? Such a pain in the ass to change jobs, but nothing, nothing at all is worth your mental health. Nothing is worth your mental health. You've got to protect yourself so that you can continue to live out and serve in a career that you chose because you know you were made for this. You just weren't made for this environment. So change environments Mandy, what else as a nurse can you do or as a female physician if you're finding yourself or even if you don't identify as female at all and you're finding yourself under fire of harassment at work other than reporting and changing jobs, are there any other options that we have? We have a lot, but they're not all great. (laughs) And also, I don't know of all of them. So I'd love to hear from our listeners of what you've done and whether it worked or not worked. That's the type of stories that we're looking for. Um, You can report it to your kind of governing body. Now, will they protect the um, misbehaving person or not? I'm not sure. depends on the governing body, but um, 
they do track that. You can report them to the medical board or to their licensing board. You can report them legally um, because they have broken a law. You can report them to your hospital. But again, that's not sometimes a lot of work and effort and not always um, result in anything. I would suggest reporting them to as many places as you can and you mentally have the capacity to do that. Me too. Hmm? Me too. Mm-hmm. And um, there are there are places that are tracking. I, I think of birth monopoly as the first one, but I know it's not the only one that's tracking um, bad behavior and um, unsafe behavior within the medical system. So there are some kind of outside of outside of the bounds um, places to report. And I think sometimes those are um, sometimes the most useful because others can see them and benefit and um, it can't be ignored when it's outside of the hospital and outside of the medical field. And also from this article, the Time's Up Healthcare and nonprofit Time's Up Foundation is also a great place to look for um, resources as they are um, kind of sounding the alarm on how devastating the Me Too um, outcomes are in healthcare and how quiet it is right now. So please know you do deserve safe and equitable workplaces. You deserve to go to work and feel like your whole brain can be put towards your job and not keeping yourself alive or safe. You shouldn't have to operate out of a place of fight or flight at a place where your main goal is taking care of people. We can demand better. And it starts with, with you. It starts with you and I and Mandy and the rest of our listeners on this podcast. All right, you guys, thanks for joining us today. We will see you next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us today. We wanted to leave you with a quick stat and something to think about until we see you next time. According to a 2018 report from the National Academies of Sciences, Engineering, and Medicine, the prevalence of sexual harassment in academic medicine is almost double that of other science and engineering specialties. This presents a serious danger that ripples into patient safety, clinical outcomes, and burnout, which leads to costly loss of talent. How much safer could medicine be if nurses and physicians weren't also battling sexual harassment day in and day out? If you or anyone you know has a story to share, please contact us on Instagram at pulsecheck.podcast. We'd love to share your story.